I'm Anna Webb. This is A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr Biggs. You know, last week I said I couldn't resist a good book about dogs. Well, you also know that I'm even a bigger sucker for movies about dogs. So let's jump on Zoom and talk to Elizabeth Lowe in Hong Kong. She's directed an outstanding film called Stray. It's all about stray dogs in Turkey, with one in particular called Zaytin. Elizabeth, welcome to A Dog's Life. Hi, thank you so much for having me. No, this is just such a pleasure. I've been privileged to see the film that we're going to be talking about called Stray. And it left me aghast at moment. I found it actually hugely emotional in a kind of gut-wrenching way, Mm. if that makes sense, Elizabeth. Please just summarize this amazing film and what gave you the inspiration to create a movie that has been described in one of your many excellent reviews as the ultimate love letter to dogs and to humanity. Oh, I love that. It's the film, I suppose, it, it follows a stray dog called Zayton in her journey as she takes us and the camera across different sections of Istanbul and we're privy to the conversations that she overhears of all the people around her and the relationships that she builds with the people who share the streets with her. Um, and the film is, is told from her perspective and, and shot from her perspective, trying to show what the world looks like from the gaze of a, of a street dog and what that might show about dogs and also us. It's really unique, I think. I've, I've seen pretty much every single dog movie that <laughs> has ever been made, you know, from Lassie Come Home to <laughs> The Isle of Dogs, for example. Yes. Yes, a, a great animation. Actually, interestingly, yeah. interestingly, I don't know if you've watched Isle of Dogs at all. I have, but... I have. Was some of that related in a way to Stray in so much as the dogs were sent away, weren't they, to an island, the Isle of Dogs? Yes, completely. I don't, I can't confirm this, but I do believe Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs, the fictional film that takes place in Japan about dogs that are exiled to this island. I have this feeling that it's based on the historical reality that took place in Turkey in 1910 when dogs were rounded up throughout Istanbul and were banished to this island called the Wicked Island where they starved to death. Um, And that history is actually what drew me in to want to go to Turkey because it was a century of persecution of stray dogs by the government trying to adapt to Western standards of what an ideal city is. But people fought for these dogs to to have the right to roam freely. And it was in 2004 where they passed these groundbreaking laws that doesn't allow you to kill any healthy stray dogs or even hold them in captivity. And and that's why dogs like Zayton and Nazar are able to roam around freely and have the right to to exist. So, So that's actually why I went to Turkey, this 
incredible story. I didn't know about this until Stray came onto my radar and I now really want to visit Istanbul. It's top of my list if when, when we can travel again, as I'd love to see this because when I was watching, you know, I was spellbound really on a number of levels, which hopefully we'll go through in a logical order. But yeah. what struck me initially was, hang on, this reminds me in a way, in my mind's eye, of how we lived with dogs 20,000 years ago, but yes. it's in a modern age, right? Yes, completely. You're so correct. That was my instinct also. I felt like I was capturing these, it felt like time travel going to Istanbul because it's this really modern developed city, yet at the same time, it, these dogs have magically slipped through a modernization and still continue to roam around and eat our trash and, and live off of human mercy in the way that they did probably 20,000 years ago when we would throw them a bone from our fireplace. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But also, and I, I guess this is a message, in, in the trailer, there's a funny little moment where I think it's Zayton is looking at a little chihuahua that's wearing, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> that bright yellow Mac. <laughs> and yeah. Zayton's so much bigger than this little dog. And it's almost like, you know, Zayton's thinking, look, have you looked in the mirror? Do you know what you look like in that Macintosh? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I've had many different readings of that moment, like what that small dog is thinking, the pet dog, and what is Zayton thinking. And one interpretation is that dogs can communicate with each other. And that pet dog who was like straining against the leash to try to get closer to Zayton could tell that Zayton was posed no real threat, even though the owner who's maybe so disconnected from reading the emotions of, of other beings couldn't tell that Zayton meant no harm at all. <laughs> yes. Or could it be seen that Zayton was thinking, I'm so glad I don't have to wear one of those Macs. I definitely think so. And I think dogs are fully aware when one is leashed and one is not. <laughs> yes, yes. But it reminded me, you know, with my behavior hat on, mm -hmm. watching the dogs, because, you know, you filmed them amazingly and it must have been really hard to capture such intimate footage, really, because you were filming at their level. Yeah, yeah, it was really difficult. I couldn't figure out the correct sort of machinery that would allow me to film at their dog level automatically. And so basically I was just using my body crouching low with a stabilizer of a camera that would hang off of this vest I had that would put the weight of the camera onto my uh, hips. And I would just follow them for hours and hours um, when they were awake and, and going on their adventures and trying to keep up. At you. And you see me lose control in the film when I, I you know, I can't quite keep up and then the sh camera becomes quite shaky. <laughs> but how did you, you know, meet up with them on a regular basis? Do you think they, they knew? Did you become friends? So before going out to Turkey to make this film, we knew that making a film about stray dogs, we wouldn't be able to, they, they had no handlers. We wouldn't be able to send them call sheets to tell us to meet at particular times. Yeah, this is it. So, yeah. Yeah. so we got sponsored by, and we actually had no idea how social the stray dogs would be, how they would react to us. And so we got sponsored by this uh, pet tracking company called Tractive GPS. And they have these tiny little GPS trackers that, get synced up with your phone and you can attach them to a collar. And so every day at the end of the shoot, we would put the collars onto Zayton and Nazar 
and we would and we would go to bed and we'd be able to see where they had gone throughout the night. It would map it all out and then the next day we'd locate them that way with the GPS trackers. So clever, isn't it? So clever. <laughs> yeah. But you know, behaviorally, I just loved it how the dogs seem really calm and busied themselves in a kind of a unbusy way. You know, they weren't mm -hmm. obviously they weren't forced to do anything in a way yeah. like the little chihuahua in the in the raincoat on a lead perhaps yeah. and it, it sort of highlighted what i think's lacking and i know the rspca is speaking out about this at the moment is mm -hmm. an understanding really of what a dog is you know, mm -hmm. a dog is a dog you know i often think and i know i'm a bit radical in saying what i'm about to say but yeah. i fear that particularly through lockdown, a lot of people have gotten dogs to be their comfort blankets mm -hmm. and not really taken on board fully that they are such sentient beings with needs yeah. that a dog needs. Yeah. And that's quite epigenetically really related to us, right? Because mm -hmm. That's the other bit of the film I love. Sorry, Elizabeth, I'm a fan of this movie. Is the Syrian refugees that run parallel. Their story runs parallel, doesn't it, through the film yeah. with the dogs as being kind of equals. Well, they are equals, of course. I mean, what you're saying about, you know, dogs being allowed to be dogs, I was really amazed because this was the first time I was looking at stray dogs closely and being able to spend hours and months with them looking at what they chose to do with their time when, when they're not constrained by anybody. And it was so fascinating to see how they would take themselves on hours and hours long walks, just having little adventures, playing with other dogs, chasing cats, finding food, not out of necessity, but just out of interest, the way that we like to move through the world and, and have things to do. And it really broke my heart to imagine, even growing up, I, my, my own pet, how he had like three walks a day, but that's actually not enough <laughs> compared to what I saw the stray dogs were capable of. And definitely what you're saying that they're epigenetically related to us, that it's in their DNA and our DNA to be so closely linked. I remember before when I was making the film, it was very difficult to get people excited about the idea because people were always confused. They were like, so is this idea you know, whose story are you really trying to tell? Humanity's story or is it the dog's story? And over time, I realized through Zayton's life as she interweaves having her very own independent life, but also having these deep relationships with the young Syrian men, that, that they're completely entwined, like the fates of, of canine and, and human history and also our present day, they're inseparable. It is entwined. That's exactly yeah. it. I'm not going to give a spoiler away, but... The bit that really got me was the very last scene, which you know what that is. I don't know if we could talk about it, but I think we can. <laughs> about say, you know the Zayton howls as yeah. there are the prayers, yeah. and that all becomes one. Well, that was it for me, totally in pieces, because I just kind of thought this is it. And Elizabeth, you've captured this. I, I just think this is magnificent. Yeah, I think I was so moved by that scene too. That the fact that the dogs would like sing along to this call to prayer that was meant for humans, but they too are somehow tuned in. And I have no idea what their understanding of that call to prayer is, but this deeply spiritual connection that we must have with them. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, Zayton and Nazir, they are very different, right, from the dogs in LA, where I know you've spent yeah. <laughs> a lot of your life so far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're so different. What was amazing to me was I noticed that the dogs of Istanbul, the stray dogs of Istanbul who didn't have owners, were so much well socialized, well, more well socialized and zen and calm, like you said in the face of anything than so many pet dogs that I, that I know in LA who are far more neurotic and, and yeah. antisocial with other dogs and, and, and people. Yes. It's just interesting. <laughs> really interesting. And you, you kind of made this point throughout. It's another feature I, I thought was extremely clever. You know the philosophical quotes that mm -hmm. punctuate some of the scenes? Yeah. I love that aspect because they're all very rich and poignant. But one that made me smile was the quote that just read on the screen, you know, bark at the greedy and bite the scoundrels. Yes, yeah. So I discovered Diogenes in the, in, in, in the conceiving of the film with my producer, Shane Boris. He introduced Diogenes to me um, before we went out to Turkey. And Diogenes was a Greek philosopher who lived thousands of years ago and was born in Sinope, which is in modern day Turkey, the land of modern day Turkey. And he noted that because dogs are not complicit, stray dogs are not complicit in systems of marriage, wealth, property, or jobs, that they somehow were able to be the most honest observers of human society. And so he modeled his life and also his philosophy around this idea. And the film is really trying to put that ancient idea, philosophical idea into practice, what ha what what do we reveal when we look at dogs and what can we learn from them? And with the quote that you mentioned, I, I find it so true because when I was out there with Zayton filming, there are scenes when she starts to get up and, it, and at the time of filming, I had no idea why she gets up and she starts barking towards the camera in that busy street right before the bone fight. And I realized later it's because there was this man from behind the camera who was bothering me and she must have been able to tell that I was annoyed and she was protecting me. And so dogs just can, they know everything. I think they can read well, they do. Yeah, your body language. You've heard news from Satan, haven't you? Because this was filmed a couple of years ago and I was heartened to read a review that you are still keeping in touch with her. Um, I'm not directly keeping in touch with her, but my co-producer uh, Zeynep Koperlu, who is based in Istanbul, she often sees Zaytan in Taksim Square and in Karakoy uh, along the Bosphorus where Zaytan frequently uh, goes. And she'll, you know, whenever she sees Zaytan sort of just sleeping in the middle of a really crowded street, she'll take a picture and try to wake her up, but she won't wake up as she always did during the shoot. So I was very comforted to know that during the pandemic, a lot of stray animals were, were still able to survive despite lockdowns because people, volunteers would set out food and also the government set out food daily for the, for the stray animals. That's amazing. I, you know, yeah. it's amazing. But a scene I loved quite at the beginning of the film was just you observing with the camera this very simple interaction between the locals and the dogs. So the dogs would just be sitting or lying on a pavement. And mm -hmm. as people would walk by doing their own thing, they just, mm -hmm. you know, pat their head, rub their ear. Yeah. And the dogs would just, thank you. Thank you for that. So it's this constant recognition. So the dogs were 
getting heaps of attention, which of course dogs love, but yes. kind of it's like, you know, 15 million people in Istanbul all giving this communal care to 130,000 dogs. Just, I mean, I this. I'd love this to happen in London, but I guess we don't really have that many stray dogs now. But it's something for other countries, perhaps some in Eastern Europe, where their culture isn't as accommodating, could really learn from. What do you think? Yeah, totally. Turkey's model. I, I really hope the film shines a light on the fact that we don't have to conceive of stray dogs as a problem. That dogs mm. being dogs and, and living among us in public spaces, if they're communally cared for, is, is not something that has to be eradicated. Because when you do that, you know, dogs just end up either killed in mass or, or languish in cells. And so I think with countries that do have these huge stray dog populations, it would be nice if, if the attitude towards them them could change. And, and, and it's really interesting because I've been talking to the Animal Rights Federation in Turkey, asking them why um, Turkey is the way it is today, where it, it's in the last 10 years that animal rights has become more and more mainstream. And he told me that it's this confluence of the East and the West, that this West, the intimacy that we have with dogs in the West, combined with this notion that we can't just kill them just because they don't have owners, um, a sentiment that comes from the Ottoman era, um, that those two things combined somehow have, have managed to turn Turkey into one of the few countries where they're so well cared for, at least in Istanbul. Yeah, is it just in Istanbul or is it you know, nationwide there? So I think it's much, I think people are much more tolerant and there's much more infrastructure to support stray dogs in Istanbul, like the government shelters, all the municipalities that spay and neuter them and, and tag them is much more developed in Istanbul. I think in other cities, the dogs are probably much less well cared for, um, for cultural reasons and then also resource reasons too. Mm. Um, but that even though the law says you can't kill them, or um, you know, dump them in a place that they don't that they weren't found in. That that's not actually enforced in a lot of cases, um, where dogs are poisoned uh, because people don't like their presence. Something was brought up in the film, which is a cultural thing. You know, I remain kind of neutral on it, but there was a scene because. Istanbul is is primarily a Muslim country, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Where yeah. you know their culture isn't necessarily being natural around dogs mm -hmm. and that I found totally fascinating in itself you know totally I mean what did you think about that yeah I mean it's super complicated because you know you see those security guards in the film who like every night they prepare all this food for the stray dogs that live on their construction site and yet they will never touch the dogs with their hands yes because yeah. um they're Shafi Muslim and so they do, they believe that touching the dog will not purify them or pollute them. Um, and it was so interesting to me because I would ask them, why do you bother to feed these dogs every day? And it was the same with a lot of other restaurant workers and butchers who would set meat out at, at 6 a.m. every morning. And a lot of them would say that it was because of this belief that um, you have to help and give feed the needy and the voiceless and that that came from their religion. But it's also very complicated. And I've talked to Islamic scholars about why Turkey has this tradition. 
And it's interesting because in the past, under the Ottomans, stray dogs really flourished in the streets and they were all fed. And when the Sultan was trying to modernize Turkey, um, his empire, as it was crumbling, when he tried to get rid of the dogs, people protested because they felt it was a sin in their religion. Even if they weren't taking dogs into their homes, they felt that killing the dogs would be immoral. And so it's very, it's, it's interesting. Like, of course, in other uh, Muslim majority countries, the way stray dogs are treated is not the same as Turkey. So I think Turkey somehow with the climate, it being warm enough that dogs can be out in the streets and living among us in addition to religion and the West, Western influences that somehow it's created this unique environment. Really, really is yeah. unique. I mean, fascinating. The one great part of the film, I thought, because I was on tenterhooks throughout thinking any minute now there's going to be a dramatic moment, you know, like in Lassie Come Home, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> or Rin Tin Tin, where, you know, something dreadful's going to happen and then Zayton's got to triumph over adversity. And But <laughs> that I was so relieved that didn't happen, you know. I was honestly on tenterhooks. Hang on, hang on. So you kind of turn the whole notion of the traditional dog movie on its head. Yeah, that was so important to me because, well, first of all, it was true to reality that Zaytun's life is pretty decent in Istanbul. And she didn't experience too many trials and tribulations outside of, you know, some dog fights over bones or wandering into foreign territory where other dogs might gang up on her a little bit. But for me as a, a dog lover and a cinema lover, I was always very frustrated by how other dog movies didn't try to take on the perspective of stray dogs in a literal way with, with the camera, but also that I think in documentaries especially, I feel like animals' bodies are constantly mutilated and violated. And I, I feel like we should begin to question what does it mean to have so much imagery of, of, of animal violence against animal bodies in the same way that we, we have to question you know, violence against women's bodies and people of color's bodies in cinema. And so for me, it was really important that the film not contain that kind of graphic imagery. And also in, in, in what I happened to film in Istanbul, that was never the case. Just on a breed thing, you know, it struck me that Zaytin was an Anatolian mountain dog, which of course is an indigenous breed to Turkey, oh. a very old breed that has oh. worked, you know, as a guarding breed, you know, looking after flocks in the mountains, you know, a bit like a Pyrenean mountain dog. And that oh. that was lovely because you know, that really backs up the whole indigenous, the epigenetic aspect of the cultural connection, or I thought, being a bit of a dog nerd here, Elizabeth. <laughs> Wait, I love that because I've never been able to identify what breed she is. And I'll oh, Google just Anatolian Mountain I just, Dog. You're Go on. totally right. I just Googled it. You're totally <laughs> right. Now I can tell people. <laughs> yeah, no, she's a real one, you know, that's yeah. totally not being bred for the show ring or, or whatever. She is just an indigenous dog which I love because of course regions and and where dogs have come from historically also says a lot about the people from out in China where they originally bred the pugs and the Pekingese Mm -hmm. and the Tibetan breeds that were so hidden from society for thousands of years really and you know and so on to the Siberian huskies they all have a story to tell about the people that originally created them for a purpose you know to help them survive (laughs) yeah man's best friend you know yeah they were shepherds it looks like 
Yes, yes. Beautiful dogs. So beautiful. Oh, well, Elizabeth, now, has this inspired you to bring a dog back into your life? (laughs) I... This is what's so sad because my life is very itinerant, so I can't responsibly have a dog right now. But and that makes me so sad to be in Hong Kong or in LA, where you know there aren't dogs that you can just befriend on the street. And I really miss the friendships that you could have with dogs that you were not, you know, necessarily accountable to. And in Istanbul, every day I would encounter dogs that I could become friends with and close to, and not feel guilty when when they would leave me. Um, yeah. Yes. So, so I don't have a dog yet, but I do in the next few years, I hope that I can adopt one. Yes. Soon. Yes. Oh, they're, well, they, they're brilliant. You know, I mean, of dogs course. have helped us so much. And, and Elizabeth, in creating this film, I really think you've helped dogs globally. Just want to thank you again for joining me on A Dog's Life. And we must just say now, Stray, it is out now, right? So listeners, yes. how can they view the film? They can view it on dog wolf on demand it's being released by dog wolf our amazing distributor in the uk i can't and believe your distributor is called dog wolf i'm yeah, sorry is that real <laughs> it's real and they're so passionate about the film um and i think it's on itunes and amazon prime and all the usual suspects where you can get films and virtual cinemas across the uk um if this is a uk sort of centric audience yes we have we have some in america and listeners in australia and uh, oh okay uh, yeah but mainly then it's all it's all over it's all over sort of the digital places where you can rent rent movies um, and also something that we're doing that i've i love because especially in this virtual world is that people are able to watch the film with their pets at home their dogs at home because they're not able to go to cinemas so now we've been starting this social media campaign where people are tagging their dogs watching the film because the dogs are really reactive to the film with the howling and the barking and we're asking them to to tag at stray doc film and and hashtag stray watch party so so that we can kind of repost and keep track of all the dogs that are living vicariously through the street dogs in the film (laughs) it's amazing well I'm going to watch again on prime if it's on prime that would be perfect and take some photos of young prudence watching oh please do well look thank (laughs) you again and can't wait for your next project (laughs) thank you so much Anna that's our show Mr Binks what did you think yes I know you'd love to roam free around the streets of Istanbul (laughs) wouldn't we all and I hope you all enjoyed it too if you did please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts so other dog lovers can find us thanks to Elizabeth and Stray is available through Dog Wolf On Demand and other streaming services Thanks to Mike Hansen and Pod People Productions for the music and all the production. Follow them at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs, or visit my new website, annaweb.co.uk, where you can book training sessions, nutrition sessions, read my blogs, and have a nose around my shop. We'll be back in your feed next Sunday, so subscribe now. It's free, so you never miss a show. Or you can even catch up on some other episodes you might have missed. Bye for now.
ball.